Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Amen. Come on, stand up, up let's make some noise. We're happy to be here this morning. Come on, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Come on, come on, come on. Good, good, good. You may be seated. Happy Sunday, everybody. If you're new here, I am Pastor Adrienne. I'm married to that crazy guy. Um, I just want to extend a prayer for our kids this morning and especially my sister. And Lord, I just thank you so much that your presence is here in this room and is also in that room with our kids this morning. God, as they're being raised up, there is no junior Holy Spirit. We just pray that your presence would come and rest and bring peace, bring peace to all of our kids, God. Lord, show them their true identities, who they really are in you, God, amid all of the confusion in our world today. God, we just pray for peace to settle, not only over our children, but over their parents. In Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people said, amen. So Scott isn't wrong. We do our, our first fruits every year. We have for about three years, and um, it is an incredible time of awakening and revealing and... Um, It'll stress you out if you're not good at fasting. That's okay. Good to see you. Um, and it always, it always has some remarkable stuff that comes out of it. As we're fasting, we're fasting food. We're either doing a Daniel-type fast or we're eating before the sun comes up. We're waiting all day. We're fasting. We're eating after the sun goes down. We are giving up a comfort, something that we find as a distraction, right? Because life is crazy. College is nuts. People are insane. Politics, whatever it is, work stress. We're giving up a comfort that we take to distract us from those things. Matt and I are giving up television, entertainment. It's been a, been a whole deal, um, especially for him. I'm doing great. <laughs> Living with him is a different situation. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying. Amen? We're praying, we're praying, we're praying, and we're preparing for our first fruits offering. And um, the thought is, is that we would begin each year by removing the most of us that we possibly can to make the most room for him to come, for Jesus to come and be in us. Amen? And we're doing as much as we possibly can to rid ourselves of ourselves so that he can have us completely and take over. You hearing me this morning? As the Lord has led me personally, I know that often where he takes me eventually is where we're all gonna go together, amen? So he teaches me how to pray, the, the levels of prayer, the areas of prayer, I'm gonna teach you guys how to pray. He teaches me Bible literacy, how to read the Bible, understand the Bible, apply the Bible. You guys are gonna learn that, right? So not only have we learned about prayer in this season, and like I mentioned, those different areas that have unlocked intercessory prayer, the power of prayer, what God wants to give us, a holy understanding and discernment of, of what is going on in the world and what he is trying to do. It's been insanely powerful, right? Yes? You guys have all had your little diagrams. Do you still have them in your Bible? The Eastman Prayer Guide? Yes? 
So this week, as I was preparing, I got super sick in the middle of the week. It was like really rough and awful. I should anticipate that now. Every time I'm going to preach, the enemy tries to kill me. I really, really don't understand what it is, but the guy hates me. Um, I got really sick midweek, and I'd been praying for a while about what he wanted me to speak on, and there was lots of different things, and he brought it to my mind with such clarity just before I like passed out because I was exhausted, and today we are going to be learning about practicing the presence of God. And if my message today had a title, it would be practicing the presence. So let's get it. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, 5 through 6. And that's all the scripture we're going to do today. Short, sweet, but it's real good. Romans 8, 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, and to set the mind on the Spirit is life and is peace. Lord, thank you so much. God, thank you for meeting us. Thank you for your Son and the bridge that he is to make that resting place within our hearts for you to come and to be with us, God, and for us to be changed by you. Lord, I just pray that there would be no words that go out that are ineffectual, God, that this morning every word that is going out is for, is for change and for prayer and for a great moving within your people. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So I started a book last year and finished it over the holidays. And it was, a, it was a short book. It was a quick book, but it was really, really, really powerful. And the book itself was written, and it was later translated, but it was written by a French monk, and it was entitled The Practice of the Presence of God. And if you've been around for any length of time, um, there was a season where I jokingly said all of the time, one day... I'm going to be as chill as a monk. I said it all the time, all the time. One day, I'm going to be as chill as a monk. I'm going to get there. I'm going to be as chill as a monk. And the reason that I said that all of the time was because I was super anxious and stressed. I felt anger and rage towards situations and people. I felt totally out of control. So that, that desire to be chill, that desire to have peace was something I was jokingly saying, but something that I was absolutely 100% in need of. Does anybody relate to that at all? Anybody? Anybody? Got one person? Got two people? Yes. I wanted to be as chill as a monk. And as often as I would say it, I only had one friend who really confronted me on, on me saying that all the time by saying, do you think that monks are just born that way? <laughs> Do you think they're just born chill, or do you think that that is a characteristic that they take years and years to develop and grow and live in? Yeah? yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, actually, probably. Just like any fruit of the Spirit, there's a cultivation that has to take place. There's, there's a growing and a pruning. And just because I wanted it, it didn't mean that that nature was just automatically going to appear within me. Just because I wanted to be as chill as a monk didn't mean I was going to arrive like that instantaneously. It was going to take years of strenuous work and application for me to arrive, to arrive at that desired level of chill. So enter Brother Lawrence. Uh, Brother Lawrence was a 16th century monk 
probably had a haircut very similar to what I'm rocking today. Um, he entered the monastery. <laughs> Phil gets it. Um, he entered the monastery in his early 20s, and he served as a lay brother in a Carmelite monastery in Paris. And this man died and he passed into obscurity um, forever until they had resurrected his letters and these kind of communications that he had had um, with those around him who had observed this intense relationship that he had with God. And observing that relationship had wanted it and desired it for themselves. It was only after Lawrence's death that these letters were compiled and put into a book that was called Practicing the Presence of God. Um, now, I know that doesn't sound very gripping when we've got like this monk. Um, he didn't live a crazy, spicy life. He wasn't martyred. He wasn't known for his great sermons or his miraculous healing. However, um, he did know how to live a very quiet life, but it was an effective and it was a powerful life. Amen. And he was happy to live that quiet life. And in fact, he worked in the kitchen cooking and preparing food, which he does mention in his letters, he really wasn't good at. Um, he wasn't very good at it. He was often making mistakes. Apparently there were some monks who had no chill um, that were his brothers because they made him feel like he was kind of a bit of a dummy. That, that's how he, he kind of felt in the monastery. However, what he did, however he did it, he was constantly looking to the presence of God to help him and guide him and grow him. And I think that is important for us to dig into today because Lawrence wasn't interested in living a larger than life story. He didn't want it. He didn't need it. He didn't need a microphone and he didn't need an Instagram. He lived a quiet life. And just like Tolkien says, it's no bad thing to celebrate a simple life. I'm going to alter that a little bit and say, it's no bad thing to live a simple life. A simple life is louder, more challenging, more beautiful, more rich than many, many loud lives that are in the world today. Amen? And Lawrence did just that. He practiced his faith in a way that was for him alone. It wasn't living to impress anybody else. He wasn't hungry for popularity or adoration. He had attained maximum chill, ultimate peace. He wanted to live a quiet and lowly life before the Lord. Amen? Who wants that? Lord knows I want that. I am a very reluctant shepherd. Uh, Lawrence was half in and half out. He was half in heaven, and he was half on earth. He understood fully that before he was ever a physical being— he was a spiritual being. He was a spiritual being before he was ever a physical being. And he spent every day of his life piercing the veil and seeking God. And yes, eventually practicing the presence of God so completely that at one point he goes on to say this. What comforts me most in life is that I now see him by faith. I see him so clearly that sometimes I want to say, I don't believe any longer. I see I experience what faith teaches. I will live and die with him. And that is the assurance and the practice of faith. He was walking so closely with God on a daily basis that he didn't believe in God anymore. He saw God daily. He saw God daily. He saw him, he felt him, he embraced him and was embraced by God the Father. 
In his sixth letter, he says, personally, I dwell with him in the depths of the center of my soul as much as I can. When I'm with him in this manner, I fear nothing. But when I turn from him, it is unbearable. Now, the last time I taught, we talked about prayer. We talked about how prayer is something that we must be doing. It is a sin for us not to pray, right? For us not to pray, it means that we are literally disconnecting ourselves from God and the movements that he wants to do through us in the world today. If we're not praying, we are not making ourselves available to his movement here on earth. It is a sin to not be in relationship and communicating with God daily. Now, we talked about sitting and praying for an hour, yes? And I've, I've, heard, I've heard good things about, wow, this is crazy. This is like popped off some stuff in my prayer life that I never thought was possible. I've heard other frustrations of it's really hard in the structure. And we talked about starting with two minutes per the 12 area instead of the five minutes. That would be out to a full hour. However, whatever it is that you have been able to do, it should have started to kindle a hunger inside of you for more for more of the presence of God. Do you hear me this morning? I'm, I've, like I said, I've heard really amazing things. I've also heard people who are frustrated with that structure of prayer. So this, this for you is, this is for you today. So just hang in here and hear what I've got to say. There are people within our community and Christians in the world at large today who feel like they cannot find the time to practice prayer. And I know that all of us have busy lives, but I do wonder how much scrolling is taking place or how much TLC we have on the TV in between our, our different chores and things that we're doing instead of practicing the presence of God, instead of practicing that act of prayer. Now, Lawrence has the perfect solution that I don't think replaces that time of prayer that I taught about last time. Actually, it couples to that prayer and it that prayer time, and it allows you to continue that prayer time into the rest of your day. Yes? Are you hearing me? By prayer, by welcoming God into every moment constantly, we will be practicing the presence of God. I'm, and again, I'm not advocating for the prayer time to stop. I'm advocating for you to continue in your prayer closet and practice the presence of prayer moment by moment. You're not leaving God in the prayer closet. You're taking him by the hand and you are bringing him with you into the rest of your day. Yeah? In one conversation with Brother Lawrence, he said this, our sanctification does not depend upon changing what we do, but in doing for God's sake what we normally do for our own sake. It's sad to see how many people mistake the means for an end, ad addicting themselves to religious works, which they perform imperfectly because they are human and they're doing them from selfish motives. The most excellent method that Lawrence found going to God was to do our normal activities without any view of pleasing man. And as far as we are able for the love of God. It was a great delusion to think that times of prayer ought to be different than other times, that there is a time that is just for prayer. And it is just as important to adhere to God by action in time of action as prayer in time of prayer. He's advocating that prayer never stops. 
There isn't a time of prayer. There is prayer without ceasing. Amen? His prayer was nothing other than a sense of the presence of God. His soul was at times unconscious of everything but divine love. I mean, chopping potatoes. Soul inside, divine love. Are you hearing me? Washing dishes. Soul inside, divine love. Yeah? When the appointed times of prayer were over, he found it no different. He still continued with God, praising and blessing him with all of his strength. In this way, he lived his life in continual joy, yet he hoped that God would give him something to suffer when he had grown stronger because he's crazy. He hoped that God would give him suffering so that he could prove his devotion to the Lord. So get ready to level up, guys. No. Um, <laughs> this friend who's talking about Lawrence is saying that when his prayer time ended, it was like it never ended. Are you following that? And instead of putting down the presence of God and going into the day, he took God by the hand and he brought him with him into his day. Yes? He was so filled with joy and the growth in the Lord that he even hoped for suffering because he was nuts. No. Um, um, so that he could prove his devotion to the Lord to be praising him in the midst of suffering, which is something that we will talk about today. I think it's important to recognize that the presence of God is for all times. Yes? He wants to become, he wants to be welcomed into our celebration, and he wants us to reach out to him in our pain. I had the unique opportunity this week, like I said, to worship God from my sickbed. Um, that is a totally different type of worship, adoration, and praise from the sickbed, and also a different type of infilling from the Lord that we can't understand being healthy and feeling well. We just can't. That's a different type of, of crushing that comes out of us. It's a different type of love that pours out of the Father from our sick beds. Amen? Amen? Thanks. Matt's like the only one talking back up here, guys. Come on. Come on, come on. Um, Lawrence is saying that people get caught up in doing religious things with the Lord, and he's making a case for doing all things with the Lord. The most important to the most trivial— his friend goes on to say in a conversation with Lawrence, we should not become weary of doing little things for the love of God. Love regards not the greatness of the work, but the love in which the work is done. That means every poopy diaper you're changing, mothers in the mother's room, every poopy diaper you're changing, you're doing it for love of the Lord. Every dish you wash, every time you hold your tongue instead of lashing out in anger, every time you bandage a skinned knee, every time you scrub the floor, don't gossip with the girls, love your husband well, rotate the tires or bring home the bacon. God can be seen rightly and worshiped rightly in every situation when we do all things for the love of God. Amen? We can endure slander, we can survive breakup, we can live through being overlooked, and we can forgive at great cost, all for the love of God. Amen? We can testify to a neighbor, we can preach a sermon, we can evangelize in the streets, and we can lay hands and see healing come, all for the love of God. Amen? 
Romans 8, 5 through 6, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. If we're able to see that everything we do is onto God, nothing becomes trivial. When we take our minds off from our flesh, the flesh that and we place our minds on the things of the Spirit, which is God and his presence. It is life and it is peace. Who wants life to the full and peace? Anybody? Peace. Peace. Practicing the presence of God is the key to peace. Now, the life of a monk is not without its problems. I, I have no doubt they had bad haircuts. I'm sure the food was not very tasty if Brother Lawrence wasn't very good at making it. Um, but there is one thing that is a stumbling block for us today in a very big way that wouldn't have been for them back then. And the stumbling block for us in our culture, in the West, in the world at large, is comfort. It's comfort. Comfort is the number one killer of intimacy, and it is closely related to its cousin laziness. And I have no doubt that hell is filled with lazy people, guys. And if laziness is something that you struggle with, if it is like a spiritual thing that you struggle with, do not leave this, this place today without getting prayer. That you would grow in self-control and that you would not be stuck in laziness. Amen? We live in a Christian nation and people say that they are Christian without ever losing one hour of sleep or television or scrolling to in the silence of their home, get on their knees and reach out to the presence of God. We live with a level of comfort here in the West that is hard for a, a large part of the world to, to understand. It has actually addled our minds. It, is, it has coddled our brains comfort. It's become something that we idolize. I can hazard a guess to say that there are probably very few of us in this place who have experienced homelessness, who have experienced being gripped by starvation, who have not been able to access immediate medical care after cutting off our fingers. I think there are very few of us in this place today who have experienced this type of hardship. Now that's speaking of the majority. We live in the comfort of our homes, have the comfort of the food on the table. We have the comfort of family around us. But what if we didn't have that? What if we didn't have those things, that comfort? Would we praise God in the same way? And this is a question that I've been asking myself a lot recently. As we drive downtown and I, I see these homeless people who have the clothing on their backs and the food in their mouths is, is coming from mercy. <laughs> Would the praise of my heart to God be the same amid that type of hardship? Think about it. Just think about it. Would my love for the Lord, would the faith that I have in the Father be the same if I was destitute? 
my clothing was reduced to rags, if the hunger in my stomach was like a lead balloon not knowing where the next meal was gonna come from? Would my faith be the same? Would, would the faith that I have in the Father get zapped or would it turn up the volume? And I believe the only way that we will know the answer to that question before we live it is if we are practicing the presence of God now so actively that even amid comfort, we cannot live without him. Yes? Are you hearing me this morning? The only way we're going to know that our faith is still going to be the same, whether it is from plenty or it is lacking everything, is if we are practicing the presence of God so actively now that we can't live without him if we have it all or we have nothing. And let me say this. It is very easy to be a Christian in America. For now. Bold and underlined. For now. This is a cush life that we are living here. And in my time of prayer, there's, there's an intercessory section where you're encouraged to pray for the world. And for whatever reason, the Lord drew my heart to Cuba. Never been there. Never been there. And this is what I looked up after starting to pray for Cuba. And this has been a couple months now that I've been praying for them. Unlike the overt violence Christians faced during the communist Cuban revolution, more subtle methods of persecution are now used by the Cuban government, largely out of concern for global reputation. They don't want to look bad for killing Christians. Christian leaders are often summoned by government officials for questioning and detained for up to 48 hours, where they are pressured. And while they are detained, the churches are demolished by hired gangs, so the government can deny responsibility. Legal church buildings are seized and no new church buildings have been legally built in the country since the revolution. That was January, 1959. There's not been a new church in Cuba in 65 years. Many believers meet in illegal house churches, often extensions of the pastor's home or shaded structures in the backyard of a family's home. Churches continue to grow through active evangelistic activity, but some believers have never owned a Bible because of government oppression. Though no Christians are known to be imprisoned in Cuba, who knows, many are closely watched or effectively under house arrest. In, additions, Christian, in addition, Christians are often denied jobs and educational opportunities. There are no Christian bookstores in Cuba. There is a shortage of Bibles which even when available can cost a third of a worker's monthly income. In some communities, hand-copied chapters of the Bible are shared among the members of one church. Hand-copied chapters of the Bible. The depth of that faith is startling. The tactile, the tactile need for the word of God. Hand-copied Bibles. How many of us own three or more Bibles? And, and there's probably some of us where we, we really don't crack them open. We, we use our phones, and that's a beautiful thing. But it can be like this. 
How many of you have been to my house? Raise your hand. Right? The place is full of plants. Yes? Looks like a jungle in there. Me and Kayla are kind of like vibing on the same level. Jungle inside. Many people might come to our house and look at Matt and be like, oh, he's a plant guy. He's a plant guy. The truth of the matter is, is that Matt has never watered a plant in his life. I've asked him to, and I've come home to dead plants. Matt is not a plant guy. Is our Christian life like that? Would people come into our homes and see the Christian slogans and the Christian calendar and the Bibles and the religious materials around and we've never read those Bibles for ourselves? A house filled with Christian books does not make us a Christian. Yeah? Living in a nation founded on Christian standards does not make us Christian people. Hand-copied Bibles by the chapter, guys. What is the depth of our faith? Is it once a week on a Sunday? Is it twice a week because of a worship night midweek? Is someone from the church messaging you to check in on you, and it's actually frustrating to you? It's offensive because you feel pressured in some way when really what they're doing is they're trying to shepherd you and love you. Yes? How hungry are you for God? Does that hunger impact the way you raise your children? How you love your wife? How you still respectfully comply at work to a boss you cannot stand? How you love those around you who make you crazy or drive you nuts? Lawrence is saying that amid the comfort or the poverty, we need to be able to empty our souls to the love of too much or the fear of too little so that God can fill us with his presence. And I'm going to say that again. Amid the comfort or the poverty, we need to be able to empty our souls to the love of too much or the fear of too little so that God can fill us with his presence. From his 12th letter, again? Again? Amid the comfort, he's saying that amid the comfort or the poverty, we need to be able to empty our souls of the love of too much or the fear of too little so that God can fill us with his presence. In his 12th letter, he says, let us fear to leave him. Let us always be with him. Let us live and die in his presence. So what does that look like practically, right? Because I'm always going to teach, and then I'm going to show how we can apply it. Who remembers our come to the table season? Yes? Do, does anybody miss it? Yes? It was fun, right? So our table was always surrounded by, it was generally quite full, and it was always filled with people who come from very, very different walks of life. And I remember our sweet Julie describing her relationship with God, both his presence and the conversations that she has with him. And she was describing how she would apply and apply and reapply her focus to hearing from God. And it was only after the struggle of not hearing and not hearing, she woke up one morning and she said, good morning, God. And she felt him say, good morning, Julie. She didn't try once. She didn't try twice. 
She tried again and again and again to practice the presence of God. And I think it was Joy that went on to describe that Julie speaks. She keeps nothing from God, and she's always talking to him, sometimes so with so much passion and directness that God says, that's enough out of you. <laughs> and really, truly, that struck me. Like, in that moment, that is, that is a core memory, as Matt would say that I will never forget for the rest of my life. And I think started me on this path of you can talk to God like that. You can have a conversation with God like that. Okay. He is interested and invested deeply. He wants to be in every aspect of our life, not just the Sunday highlight reel. He actually, actually does. And you start by telling him how much you love him and how much you need him, and how you want to live in all the things that you do for him. Lawrence says in his ninth letter, one does not become holy all at once. And that's why the book is called Practicing the Presence of God. Practicing, bold, underline. One does not become an expert at practicing the presence of God in an instant we need to start the practice and not become unsettled when we find ourselves in a bind and stressed about the flesh, but stop and refocus our presence back or our focus back up to the spirit. Amen. Like I said, there were a few days this week where I was sick and my prayer routine in the morning was super abnormal. It was like not the usual thing, but I woke up in the morning and I said, good morning, God. I love you. Would you please come close to me? Would you please come and rest? Find your resting place within me today. Help me in my weakness. Be with me in every moment, Father. I want you to be with me. And earlier in the week before I had gotten sick, I had the day off and I was able to, to just take literally a couple of hours and just pray and read and seek. And during the instruction portion of my prayer time, I felt like the Lord was like, get a note card. I'm going to give you some stuff to work on this week. Yeah? So I did. I got my note card. And I wrote down the instructions that he gave me for the week. And I'm going to share these with you. And it is personal. It is personal to me because I want to show you how personal he wants to be with you. Okay? So the first thing on the note card that he told me, point one, resist wrath and pray for those who mistreat you. Luke 6, 28. And this is really significant to me. If you know me to any degree, you know um, that ministry is very hard. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of church hurt. We've heard this. This is a buzzword um, where people have have had and lived through hurt within the church. And a lot of that is real, and some of it is imagined, but there is a lot of humans getting it wrong, yeah? There is a, a type of church hurt that people don't really want to hear that much about. It's in on this side. It's on this side of the, the pulpit. And I have been hurting for a very long time because of ministry. And that hurt stems from doing life with people and loving people and being there through the horrible breakups and praying over them in the dry spells of work, 
driving across town and changing a tire, um, marrying them, blessing their babies, and never seeing them again. Not a word. It's just like a family member who just stops coming around. And that crushing has wounded me deeply. And the Lord knows that. And he's actively asking me to pray for those people who have hurt me. And it's not even always for them. So much of the time it's for us. So that we're continually cleansing and that bitterness has nothing to snag on as we're praying and we're extending that love towards others. Not every church community, it's not like that. You guys, so many of you love us so, so well. (laughs) It is very specific instances that have pierced my heart very deeply. And the Lord is calling me number one on my instructions for the next however long it's to heal that hurt. Amen? The second thing he told me was patience. Practice patience. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Huh. I feel like the first one and the second one are kind of tied together, and I'm just like, okay, wow. Um, Of all of the fruits of the Spirit, that's the one that we're going to hone in on. All right. Okay. This is how intimately he knows you, because this is how intimately he knows me. And this week, I had a lot of instances of, (laughs) are you seeing this? Um, Because he gave me a lot of chances to practice patience this week. One was in a meeting at work. I thankfully had my video camera off so people could not see my face because I have not, I'm still working on controlling that. Um, But my mouth, I controlled my mouth. The instant I went in prayer to the Lord, just asking for his presence to help me, overwhelm me, consume me, instead of having anger or rage or bitterness consume me. That patience of being able to tolerate as I wait for the Lord to move. Um, Somebody came and chucked a huge thing of trash, like this big, big box, upended it upside down, so the top was on the bottom, into our recycle container. And that really chapped my bum. Um, I, I like literally like felt like I looked over at God and I was like, really? This is it. This is one of those things. You're, I can't say that I did very well um, with that one, but it was, it was a test in patience and not getting angry in that moment. Um, for those of you who know, Matt had to get a new phone this week. Yay, he's so happy. Um, he drives me absolutely nuts. When something that he relies on is broken and not working, wow. Um, he had to go to Boost Mobile, tell me the whole time he was going to Boost, had to go to Costco, had to go back to Boost. He came home, blah, 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 as I'm working about the phone, blah, 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 I have to go back to Boost. He goes back to Boost, which is literally 60 seconds around the corner. And I'm working and he calls me and he's like, hey. And I'm like, hello, uh, what's up? And he's like, my phone, it's working. And I'm like, great. That's great. He was like, I just wanted to call you and tell you. I was like, goodbye. (laughs) Boom. Um, Thank you for growing me in patience. 
this week, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the third thing, the third thing that he talked to me about for my instructions this week, which I do think is really pivotal for all of us, was not only practicing his intimacy, but praying in a spiritual language. So praying in tongues. And I'll be honest, tongues is, is something that I do. It's not something I do all the time. It's not like a daily practice. Like, you know, when I feel moved, I'll, I'll pray shit about Ahana, shit about Akia. I do that, right? But I felt this week with that scripture, to set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. How do we set our mind on the spirit? We pray in tongues. We pray in a spiritual language. And, and as many as you know, very briefly, a spiritual language is a gift from the Holy Spirit. When, when we baptize in water, we also baptize, Jesus baptizes us with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And one of those gifts that comes from that is being able to have a spiritual language between you and the Father that no other human and no other spiritual entity can understand. Yeah? And... Some people get it like this, and other people, it's like really hard. My mother's super analytical, A plus B equals C, and it took her like two years to get it. It was, it was tough, but she's got it now, and if you want it, we're going to pray after service, and you can get it, okay? Either way, absolutely something we should be practicing, and the Lord was very quick to humble me. Are you ready to be humbled, guys? Are you in a place where you're ready to be humbled? Well, I certainly was this time. So um, he was like, you should have been doing this all along. This is something you absolutely should have been doing. And I was like, you got it, God. I'm going to do it. So I started for the length of time that I am in the shower, okay? 15 minutes, right? Praying in tongues the whole time. And I cannot tell you, I, I felt my focus lifted. I felt the presence of God so close. And I felt peace. Intrusive thoughts, mental fog, heaviness, distractions, fear, gone. Presence of God, so close. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. God, the Holy Spirit, and Lawrence, they're all encouraging us to draw our attention off what is happening to our flesh and set our mind on the spirit. And what God is teaching me and what I think he wants all of us to consider is to pray without ceasing. Prayer isn't just for the prayer closet. It continues. It continues. We can take God with us everywhere we go. And what I am encouraging is for us to begin a conversation of setting our mind on the spirit, looking high. Because gravity, right? We're automatically going to be drawn low. We're automatically going to be drawn back into the flesh as we encounter things in the day. We can start high, and as it continues to draw down into the flesh, when we recognize it as being drawn into the flesh, it's getting heavy, it's getting low, we are stopping and reflexively lifting our eyes back up onto the presence of God. Are you hearing me, people? Are you awake still? Okay, I'm almost done, I promise. We start high... We will, all, we will naturally be drawn low. When we notice that we're drawn low, we snap back up to having our, our presence, our focus on the presence of God. Amen? Start in the morning with a period of prayer, seeking, glorifying, discernment that continues into the day. First thing you do in the morning should not be scrolling. 
<laughs> you should be saying good morning, God. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm great, I slept great, or I had bad dreams. Will you please help me? We should be instantly connecting with the Father. You have your prayer time, you feel great. Um, you look at the clock, holy cow, you're late. Oh my gosh, you barely have time to shower. No time for lunch. You throw your clothing on, you run out to the car, you jam the key into the ignition, and just before you go, you realize that your focus, instead of being here, is here. It's here again. You're stressed, your peace is gone, you're anxious, and you stop in that moment recognizing that your focus is on the flesh, and you redirect your focus back up onto the spirit. You quiet yourself in a moment and you say, God, would you please come? Would your Holy Spirit rest on me? Would you settle me? Would you center me? And he will. He will. He might give you a word. He might just dump his love out on you. He might give you peace. Whatever it is, he's going to give you something. And the person who slammed the door to jet out is going to be a different person reversing the car out and heading to work. Do you hear me this morning? The purpose of the garden in the beginning, the purpose of Eden, was for us to be in the physical presence of God. That was the purpose of the garden, to be a place, a resting place where we could come together with God. The purpose of the people was to be in deep and intimate relationship with God. I don't think Adam was just going about his stuff in the beginning and just doing the deal, and then God was just like kind of hovering in the background. I don't think that's what it was. I think he and God were deep in relationship with each other. And as Adam went about and did his stuff, God was right there with him. And Adam was having conversations with God. He was having conversations with God about God. He was having conversations with him about creation. He was having conversations with him about himself. He was in direct physical proximity and close relationship with God. In fact, we know it to be true that Adam, he did not find the helper that fit him amid creation. And I have no doubt that he shared his heart with God about the need and the desire for a companion and having a great strength. As we know, God puts him into his slumber, takes flesh out of his side, creates woman, and Adam awakes and he says, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. God knew Adam's heart because they were in relationship with each other. He knew what Adam needed. And if you think that God taking his time is a new thing, Adam says, at last. <laughs> God's taking his sweet time from the beginning. Religious people think that prayer can only be God the Father, creative heaven and earth, blah, 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 blee, blee, blee. When in reality, God is as close as God. Did you just see that person cut me off? Wow, that really burns my toast, as Angie likes to say. I'm missing you this morning, babe. <laughs> God is that literally that close. Well, Lord, did you hear how they disrespected me? God, I just blew it. I screamed at my kid. Will you? Make my spirit contrite. Will you humble me to be able to go to them in love and apologize and raise them rightly, love them rightly? Yes? Yes? Are you hearing me? We don't have the garden anymore. Literally, Eden is gone. 
Somebody check on her. No. Um, the garden is no more that physical place for us to go and to be in the presence of God. But Jesus became the bridge that through his death, the very spirit of God can come and live on the inside of us. The garden is inside of us. God in us. Not to come alive in a moment of stress or terror or desperation, but a gentle, loving, unraveling, and knowing presence within us, permeating our very souls and minds with the anti-venom that is peace. Fear is the venom of the bite of the world, and peace is the anti-venom found in the loving touch of our God. Brother Lawrence says, what, an offering, what offering is more acceptable to God than to periodically throughout the day leave behind the things of our outward senses and withdraw within to worship him in the secret place of our souls, our garden, our Eden. But doing this, we destroy love of self, which can survive only among the things of the, of the flesh. These times of quiet retirement with God rid us unconsciously of self-love. If prayer is a struggle for you, and I'm not giving anybody permission to stop trying that time of prayer. But if prayer is something that is a struggle for you, the structure of prayer, this is what we need to be doing, regardless of whether we're doing that or we're just doing this. It needs to be done. We need to be practicing the presence of God. I'm telling you that that prayer communication and relationship with God can happen at all times, in all places whether we have as much as we need or we have nothing at all. Yeah? The garden is within us. It is a garden where the Lord loves to dwell, reestablished by the costly blood of his precious and perfect son, Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me, people? Lawrence, like I mentioned, he lived in the 16th century, and life expectancy back then was like, ugh. Um, if you, before the age of five, 25% um, of children died, and 40% before the age of 16. That's almost half. That's like, whoa. If you li lived to be an adult, you would probably live to be in your 50s, and Lawrence lived to be almost 80, practicing daily the presence of God and chopping potatoes. He lived a quiet, mostly boring life of servitude. Externally, we wouldn't look twice at this guy, right? Internally, the landscape of his soul, of that internal garden, was vast and illuminated and densely populated by the presence of God. He talks about communicating with God and experiencing such joy that at sometimes he couldn't control himself on the outside. He was like so excited and like such ecstasy, he like had a hard time controlling himself. Clearly, worship at the monastery was not like takeover worship, right? He was like, I physically have to like restrain myself. Like, I'm so excited about God. The more we let him into our lives, the more real he becomes, the greater the depth of our internal landscape unfolds to where we begin to see it on the outside as well. It can illuminate our countenance. It can change the way we act and others perceive us. In the letter he wrote, let us be devoted to him earnestly. Let us cast away everything else from our hearts. He desires to possess them exclusively. Beg his favor from him. If we do our part, we shall soon see the transformation within us that we desire. I cannot thank him enough for the comfort he has given you. 
I hope by his grace to see him in a few days. Let us pray for one another. Lawrence took to his bed two days later, and he died within a week. I'm very struck in this last correspondence, his last letter, that the he Lawrence is talking about when he's saying, I hope by his grace to see him in a few days is God. It's not his neighbor. It's not a friend from work. It's not a visiting family member. It's God. To drop that so casually in the last line of his very last letter is amazing to me. (laughs) By the grace of God, I'll see him soon, shortly. He's coming, I'm going, out of here. That presence, that longing that he had for the Lord is incredible to me. I want to have that. I hope to see him soon. Amen? Worship team. Um, As we have been off from the entertainment jag, the comfort thing, right? I've been on Google Earth a lot. (laughs) Weird. Um, But it's really cool. You can go all over the world and you can look at places that you'll probably never visit. And one of the places that you can look up is Central Aid, Pennsylvania. And if you view it from above, hang in, Phil, you're going to like this. Central Aid, Pennsylvania. From above, you can look at it. It doesn't look particularly special. It's kind of innocuous. doesn't look like any other place, any different from middle America. Lots of trees. It's green. You wouldn't see the fire that is currently burning underneath the town and has been burning since 1962. And they say will continue to burn for the next 250 years when a vein of coal caught on fire and set on fire a huge coal depository underneath the town. It is on fire. What if on the outside you looked like every other person, but on the inside was a raging, roaring hunger consuming fire for the presence of God. Amen? What if your internal landscape was one touched by fire, a garden resurrected by God, where you and he both go frequently to dwell together? Would that change the way that you see prayer? Would that change the way that you practice the presence of God? How would it change the way your relationship looks with the Father? This morning, I I implore you to see prayer rightly and to begin to practice the presence of God. Amen? Now, like I mentioned, I'm going to have our core team come up. And in pairs, if there are people who want to receive the gift of speaking in tongues, that spiritual language, we're going to pray for you to receive that gift this morning. But if there's anybody else who wants to make a public declaration this morning, you can stand. That you are, from this day forward, going to begin to practice the presence of God. I want you to raise your hand, and I want to pray over you this morning. Amen? Raise your hand. Chris, always first hand up. Love it. Lord, thank you 
just open your hands to receive this morning. Lord, thank you for your presence, God. Thank you that your presence is not attached to a physical building. It is a presence that goes everywhere with us through every single season. And God, this morning, I pray for a greater understanding and a greater measure of your presence pouring out into that resting place, that garden within us, God. I pray for an increased hunger, Lord, to welcome you in daily, moment by moment, in the trivial or in the most important things that we do. God, I pray that our hand would be reaching out, clutching and holding on to you. I pray for your presence to dump out on your people this morning. Overwhelm us as your chosen vessels, God. I pray for cleansing to come. I pray for healing to take place. And I pray for you to speak with such clarity and bless the hungry hearts. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen.